Now, it looks in that scene like The Hitcher is a high-speed action movie, and it is. Technically, it's very well made. That scene was well made. But what is this movie saying? That older man tortures that boy all through the movie. He plays tricks on him. He tries to kill him. He frames him for murder. He kills his girlfriend. He completely takes charge of that young boy's life. He is evil personified. And at the end of the movie, what happens? Something very sick happens. There is the unmistakable implication that that kid sort of liked that treatment and that he might become the next hitcher. Later in the show, we have a movie named Nine and a Half Weeks that's gotten a lot of publicity for its story of kinky sex. But if you look beneath the surface of the hitcher, this movie is 10 times more perverted, more heartless, and more cruel. It's a deeply cynical movie that doesn't even have the courage to admit what it's really about, which is gay sadomasochism. And I don't know which I hated more in this movie, the cynicism or the dishonesty. And I want to acknowledge some of the people behind this movie because I always like to have them come out from behind the rocks. Silver Screen Partners, which is basically a tax shelter deal, HBO Films, new to the making of movies, and TriStar, a relatively new film company. These are all new, fresh money in Hollywood. And they're all new, fresh money, and they've all been taken for a ride, and they're all taking us for a ride. They're putting garbage on the air, and that's what happens sometimes with these new people playing the movie game. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 Hi. Uh, heads up for next week. We're going to make you work a little bit. Um, Dave has chosen a couple selections, not the easiest. We've been talking about a movie called Possession for a long time, and Possession is kind of a white whale if you're into horror. It's from 1981. It's from a Polish filmmaker. I'm not going to attempt the name. Uh, it stars Sam Neill. And um, go ahead, Dave. Isabella Ijani. Pitter patter. This hasn't been available online anywhere for a long time. We've been looking for years. I found possession. It's on a site called Metrograph. It's metrograph.com, just like it sounds, Metrograph. It's actually a movie theater in New York City, and they have a membership, and they screen like kind of artier fare. It's not like horror-based, um, but they also have a membership, a streaming membership and one of the movies that they have available for streaming is possession and it's been up there for like a year or two i saw it last year um it's a five dollar membership it's not really a big deal that's really no different than renting vod so if you're into this stuff you have to see possession i think it's well worth just signing up for the metrograph subscription and cancel it if you don't like the rest of the stuff on there are we sponsored by them now well, yeah, Metrograph, yes. Brought to you great. by Metrograph. The yes. interesting thing about Possession is how long it's been unavailable. A long For time. For some reason, it's just been lost in purgatory and just recently came out, but it's there's been a legend of this movie yes. all over the place. Yeah, and it's time. not on YouTube. I don't even think it's on effed up movies. I think I checked that. Is this um, the one about a doll, like a like a ventriloquist dummy? Definitely no. not. <gasps> it's a, it's a, like a relationship thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dave, yeah like, you're going to be mad at uh, Dave next week. It's yeah, it's body horror. Horror. Be mad at Dave? Yes, body horror slash. Have you seen it, Kevin? Relationship. Yeah, because Dave. Oh, found you watched it, it on some Metrograph. Like, I found it before Metrograph. He said he found it. It was yeah, Metrograph Dave found that it. I found. Dave found it on some like rando site and was oh, like, okay. he was doing the thing that I always talk about, where Dave finds something and it's just. 
destroying our text thread until somebody acknowledges that they also watched it. Um, yeah, so I watched it. It's yeah, it's it's a an amazing movie, unbelievable acting. It's super fucked up. Visceral is the word that Ooh, Dave used yes, earlier when we were visceral. talking outside. That Wonderful. is very that's a very apt description. It's required viewing. Yeah. Movie. Um, okay. The other movie we're going to talk about is called The Innocence, and this is a uh, brand new to streaming. It was uh, the 2021 release. It's a movie from uh, Norway. And it's like a supernatural thriller type movie. If you follow us uh, on Instagram at Speak All Evil Pod, I posted the trailer for The Innocence last week or the week before. It looks really good. It just hit VOD. It's about $6.99. So again, we're asking you to stretch <coughs> a little bit. I know. We'll talk about that later off the air. Uh, <laughs> both are two solid hours also. We've had a couple easy weeks here of like 88, 90 minute movies. Next week, we're coming heavy. You're going to bust out the wallet. You're going to watch two two-hour films. Ugh. And then I'll Punishing get us back guys. to normalcy <laughs> the week Punishing after. This week, Road Horror. Woo! Kat has chosen a couple Road Horror movies. We did have a little bump in the road that I oh. think we, <laughs> yeah. we might talk about. Um, Kat initially wanted to talk about a movie called Jeepers Creepers from yeah. 2001. And that's one that I had to refresh myself because I've been wanting to talk about Jeepers Creepers and Jeepers Creepers 2. Mm-hmm. I've been a big fan of both of those. Um, the director and writer of all the Jeepers Creepers movies, Victor Salva, yeah. um, has a um, checkered past, shall we say, one that um, really, like, everybody ignored until recently. Victor Salva made the movie Powder, or he directed the movie Powder, if you remember that, kind of a classic. Um, he was convicted of some crimes uh, before Powder. I think it was, like, late 80s, early 90s on a on a film set that he was actually doing with Francis Ford Coppola called Clown House, a movie that is out of print and not anywhere that I know of because of the crimes that... Salva was convicted of committing on the set of that film, and he did go to jail for a brief amount of time. I think he should have done more time based on what I know, but everybody just kind of ignored this fact uh, until fairly recently more people have started to talk about it, and Salva has become kind of persona non grata in the horror world. So we decided that wasn't really a movie that we wanted to spotlight. Yeah, you know, as a a 30 year old person a lot of you know as if you listen to the podcast you know that a lot of my picks come from like the 90s and like early aughts because those are the movies that got me you know when I was a younger person and those are the you know horror movies that spooked me and kind of got me excited about the horror genre but I you know came in hot last week and was very excited about my picks. You were, you were. I was. I was like, fuck yeah, Jeepers Creepers. This is going to be great. Woo! And Trent was like, I'm going to stop you right there. Um, Just so you know, the writer and director of the film that you've picked was convicted of child rape, basically. Um, Which, you know, I hope most of the listeners would know that I'm not pro-child rape. You've never expressed being. I've never uh, never gotten that that vibe from you. Super into child rape. I think I would say that I've mostly been against it. I think I've been outwardly mostly against (laughs) outwardly for most of my uh, tenure here at Speak All Evil. I've been against child rape, and so you know we have talked about movies that have problematic 
you know, directors, writers, all that jazz. And I think when it comes to being a, a fan of cinema, it's your choice whether or not you separate the art from the artist. And, you know, even we talked about Rosemary's Baby. Yep. Obviously, Roman Polanski, big piece of shit. Huge garbage person. Um, but in that movie, you know, when we talked about it early, early on, we were able to be like, hey, this guy sucks. Like, we talked about that, I think. We did. To we its did. extent. And then we're also like, but this movie is very important for horror cinema history. Sure. Um, but Jeepers for, Creepers for is this not. one, that's the that's where I kind of, you know, we kind of had a text thread going where we're like, you know what, let's just let's do it. It's going to be fine. But then, you know, <laughs> Trent was just like, are we sure? And it's that moment where, yeah, like I kept thinking about this movie and like trying to watch it. And then I was just honestly like I couldn't I personally couldn't separate art from the artist in this one because it's not that great of a movie it's awesome as a like gory horror like spooky thriller sure but is it worth knowing what the director and writer did and then and it's not like this came to fruition like after he made this movie no 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 he was in prison and then released and then went on to write and direct Jeepers Creepers so it's not even like it was a look back like oh no bummer like oh he did that no he did it first and then he was still able to make that movie so it's kind of just like I don't yeah as a as the choice maker of this week I decided against the Jeepers Creepers I, I like talking about it though because I didn't know about that and I don't I don't feel like it's the responsibility of us have to worry no. about that no. like the production companies that hire these people it's it's their responsibility because not everyone goes in depth like we do into the who makes the movies and what they do and all this stuff you just go and watch a movie um but you know i know lots of very very talented people that are broke and don't rape children right <laughs> so like let's get this guy out of here and yeah. you know yeah and i want to be clear i don't know like it's to me it wasn't about like whether it's an important enough movie mm -hmm. it's just to me it was more like it's not an accusation um it's not something it's not speculation this was tried in a court of law there was an outcome and and by the same token i want to be clear that i'm not advocating any kind of like scarlet letter around the jeepers creepers movies the first one is on prime um you know this is somebody who um, served a sentence, served a, a legal sentence for the crime that was committed and has not reoffended that anybody knows of that I know of. Um, so I, I'm not also suggesting that, you know, I don't know that this person should not be allowed to rejoin society 20 years later after they have served their sentence and, and haven't reoffended. I just, for me personally, this is just a silly podcast that we do. We can talk about whatever we want. So I felt like we don't have to highlight yeah. This movie, we can highlight hundreds and hundreds of other movies that we're all like waiting to talk about. So it is kind of weird, though, that it's it's taboo to rehabilitate people like that. Yes. Which is yes. kind of a weird thing. You know what I mean? I do think so, that's weird. Yeah. I was um, just more disappointed that we couldn't talk about Justin Long. 
Well, that's funny. And yeah, it's interesting. I'm really because... glad we're not talking about this movie, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know I, that. I, I, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, for Dave's personal taste. Dave's personal taste corner. But this is like a really early role for Justin Long. Yes. And he, Justin Long has a podcast, which is fantastic. Oh, wow. And this is obviously when you're part of like a seminal horror movie like Jeepers Creepers. It has a huge following. It the does. Creeper is a big it character. Does. Yep. And, you know, as far as horror baddies, obviously Justin Long is now like beloved, not for horror, but for comedy. And he often like ends up at like being asked to come to these like horror cons or approached by it. And even on his podcast, he very respectfully just like one sentences this movie away. That was one thing I thought was interesting, though, is that I I came across a couple interviews with Justin Long from last year. Last year was the 20th anniversary of Jeepers Creepers. And I think he was doing he was doing press for other stuff. It wasn't like for that. But he was talking about it. And he, you know, and as well, he should. And I think that's part of my earlier point. He is perfectly, I think, within his right to be proud of the work that he did and the fact that it does have a cult following among horror fans. Um, but I, I thought it was, uh, he, he had an approach where he didn't seem like he was going to let something that he had nothing to do with stain his part in, in yeah. everyone else's part. Obviously, a hundred people worked on this movie probably at, at minimum, right? So it's not their fault. Yeah, it's very measured, very tactical uh, and tactful on his part. So anyway, instead of Jeepers Creepers... Yeah. <laughs> We decided to talk about, I think, a much better road horror movie mm. from 1986 called Ooh. The Hitcher. Yes. Yay. From Robert Harmon. While transporting a car from Chicago to San Diego, Jim Halsey picks up a hitchhiker named John Ryder, who claims to be a serial killer. After a daring escape, Jim hopes to never see Ryder again, but... When he witnesses the hitchhiker annihilating an entire family, Jim pursues Ryder with the help of truck stop waitress Nash, pitting the two road-raged rivals against each other in a deadly series of car chases and brutal murders. Um, I was very excited that you guys came to my aid uh, for this one. <laughs> it was a very intense thriller. For me, for sure. You know, it starts off right away with Blade Runner guy just showing off all of his crazy to the Outsiders guy. And he, you know, had a lot of crazy to show off. Yeah. How could I of, forget? Oh, how, my God. How could you forget Outsiders and, and, road, and road Runner? Fuck. Blade Runner guy. Road, road Runner. Runner. <laughs> beep, beep. Um, I think what got me the most is uh, Blade Runner guy's eyes. You know, he had those very piercing, those piercing, oh, blue. like baby blues, very intense. It was that stare, and it really, like, it reeled me in, and also made me very uneasy, but also like very eager to watch him just continue to annihilate people throughout the movie. Um, a lot of action in this one for sure. A lot of car flips. Uh, a lot of shootouts with police and whatnot. So I would say it kind of lent, it, it leaned a little bit more towards like an action kind of thriller to me as opposed to a horror movie solely because there were so many missed opportunities for gore in this one. There were so many times, like right off the bat when uh, Jim, you know, sees the family has been murdered by him. They don't show us what the, what happened to the family. He just like vomits and we're like, oh, it must have been bad. But then we don't get to see 
And that was like a huge bummer for me because like I wanted to see what happened. And then, you know, we get like a severed finger. Woodly <laughs> doo. Like, I don't Not care. Gore you for get you, to the yeah. end and it's like two trucks, you know, uh, kind of like connected by one human. And then we never get to see what happens oh, to said to human. You to see it. Yes. Oh, my they, She's God. like, oh, no, bummer for me. And then it cuts to black. And then they go to the cop car and he's like. Sorry, had to see that. It's like I I wanted to see it. Why didn't you let me see it? Um, I don't know. It was so I was very. It was a fun watch for me. You know, very over the top eighties, like very much a fun action movie. Um, I was very glad that it um, ended up making it on the roster for the week. So thank you guys very much. This is an interesting movie. I probably haven't seen this in like thirty years. Because this is a movie that I remember terrifying me as a child. And Dave made this point, I think, before we started recording, that like this movie was like perpetually on Cinemax like 24 hours a day. I think it's the only movie Cinemax had a license to for like seven years when I was seven years old. And I thought that the, the aforementioned truck scene, where you described it beautifully, there are two trucks held together by a human, uh, I thought that was the end and that scene fucked me up mm. and when I went to watch this I remembered some of those like death scenes and I thought that I saw them but I was a kid so I think I just saw them implied and then probably went to bed and had nightmares about what I could have seen however all these years later I think that's actually some of the brilliance of this movie and if the scriptwriter and the director had their way we would have seen all of it and this movie, by the way, was written by Eric Red, who did Near Dark. Wrote Near Dark. That's yeah. bonkers. It went through a ton of problems getting, getting financed and getting actually filmed because they wanted to show all of this like messed up stuff. In the end, I don't really agree with a, a studio. Obviously, I'm a huge horror fan and a gore fan. I, I probably would have enjoyed seeing that. But this finished product, I think, came out better because you didn't see it. And it mm. just kept the suspense going. And also, Rutger Hauer is damn near supernatural in this movie. In that, how is he one step ahead? For first of all, he's a hitchhiker who serial killer whose name is John Ryder. Brilliant. And then he's always one step ahead. But C. Thomas Howell, Jim, allegedly just came upon this guy, and then he spends ninety minutes one step ahead of this guy the entire time, which. If you just sit back and watch the movie, it's incredibly enjoyable. Um, and then having Jennifer Jason Lee, a young Jennifer Jason Lee, you know, not a huge role in the movie. And her and Jim's relationship, we can get into that, I think. It's a little weird how close they become, uh, given the circumstances. Um, but that's like three really powerhouse performances given in this flick. Um, and I, I just think that, that all of it came together perfectly. Um, and I don't literally don't remember the last 30 minutes of the movie because I thought the truck thing was the end. So when the <laughs> truck thing came up as a kid, I was like, this is the end. And then I hit like the button. It'd be like, how much time is left on this movie? It's 30 minutes to go. Like, I don't remember 30 minutes of this movie. Um, all that being said, a little bit less action. I could have used a little bit less action. Mm -hmm. It makes sense that Robert Harmon would go on to do things like Van Damme movies. Yeah. Uh, Cause he has the action thing down. Yep. Tom uh, Selleck. Props to him for, for taking something that was gutted from its original concept, being very gory and very, you know, gross, uh, and making it actually suspenseful. 
and I did, you know, I sort of went on the uh, the ride with C. Thomas Howell, and I was like very, very tense the entire flick. Good pick. I I've been thinking about Cats Freudian slip about the Roadrunner and how that's the original <laughs> it's highway not that horror. Far off. It's not actually. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's getting ahead of him the whole time. Um, but as much as I will champion this movie and how much I love this movie, I do vote for the gorier version of this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would. That would make it in my like top ten probably because um, I I love this. I'm, I'm glad that Rudger Hauer like never went on to do like rom coms or anything like that. He was always just the the best emo villain. <laughs> He's always got feelings, and you always kind of like sympathize uh, with him somehow. Uh, I don't know. But maybe I'm thinking of this as an extension of his character in Blade Runner. But they're almost very similar in the relentless manner at which they you know go about uh getting people and fucking shit up um i thought that uh the cinematography of this was like really good you can tell that it's like uh either like like early digital but it looks really good and there's a like a lot of good choices uh sometimes when you're just filming on this like big long stretch of highway with cars and truck stops it can get a little monotonous or, or you can just kind of do the same things but i actually thought that this uh looked really great well dave do you know who the cinematographer was yes <laughs> 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 he's still going it's a guy named john seal he won the academy award for the english patient in 96 he did rain man dead poet society the firm city of angels the perfect storm and he just did mad max fury road obviously wow yeah. i didn't wow. we all I knew that, that. Everybody knew that. Wow, this this almost has like a, uh, you know, if without the dystopia, like a Mad Max kind of vibe. I love road horror. I love road movies in general. I think it's like, it's just such a like cool thing. I like being on the road myself. I like driving and being out there and you might not know exactly where you are. And there's just this kind of feeling of like possibility. Uh, who knows what might happen if you pull over at this rest stop or you stay at that hotel or you stop into this cafe or that bar and who might you meet? Um, it's a great feeling. And this movie, I think, really nails that feeling. He's kind of out in the Midwest and in the middle of nowhere. Um, that's scary. It's spooky, at least. As adventurous as it is and as filled with possibility, a lot of that possibility is kind of spooky and scary. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Cinemax because this is only available on HBO right now. You can't even rent this movie. It's on HBO or if you have DirecTV. I don't know who still does that. But <laughs> HBO Max. Yeah, HBO Max. I, it's, I think it's on a couple of them. I, I don't. That's not my job. But uh, <laughs> this is, I think, an example of like a, a great '80s film um, that could be lost to the the streaming age, where mm-hmm. you you know a lot of these movies sometimes come up where. Um, if you want to watch this movie, you have to order the DVD or the Blu-ray or something. you got to have some sort of thing that I gave up a long time ago because I don't want to house all these movies. Um, so this is on HBO. I had a great time watching this. I thought this was so well made, um, and it was supposed to be more of a horror movie. It's funny, everybody has mentioned like the kind of the, the lack of gore. There was a lot of, from what I understand, there was a lot of um, conflict between the studios and the, and the screenwriter um, about this, this movie originally there were more murders and there was more gore the finger was supposed to be an eyeball 
in the hamburger. I, I mean, I don't know how that's less offensive, but there were some changes made and there was a lot of conflict over that scene with the um, the person is pulled apart by the trucks. Nash, mm. played by Jennifer Jason Lee. That was something that the screenwriter and the director fought for to keep that in. Um, I thought there were some interesting things going on between the protagonist and the antagonist between um, Jim, uh, who's played by C. Thomas Howell, and, and between Ryder, um, played by Rutger Hauer. I felt like there was some sort of like identity switch between them, or there was some kind of dynamic between them where it seems like there's more going on than just one guy being terrorized. They almost seem to develop a kind mm-hmm. of a symbiotic relationship. Um, yeah. And it gets really weird how he keeps showing up no matter what. I mean, it's it's over the top. I don't think it's meant to be that literal uh, in all these scenes, but there's something going on between those two characters that seems to be a little bit more than just the victim and the perpetrator. It seems like there's, I don't know what it is. I, I kind of, I had a, a moment of being like, is this like a fight, cl- is this going to be a fight club situation? Yeah, right. Where I was right. like, was it really him the whole time? Because it oh, kind of checks be, out a be, little bit. That'd be very high tension. Yeah, I, I hot wanna, tension. Yes. I want an extended director's cut where they fuck. Also, <laughs> That's yeah. another element that like, yeah. <laughs> there have been, yeah, there I have I think that's been, in there. Yep, there have been <laughs> things that I read that talked about some of that tension. I think I have it because I read a lot okay. of criticism right. about, there was a lot of criticism about the fact that you don't get any backstory on Rutger Hauer's character, John Ryder. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, as horror fans, like, Look what happened when Rob Zombie did Halloween. Everyone was pissed that he gave Michael Too much Myers backstory. a backstory. Yeah. We don't need a backstory. And now it's like, well, we, we need don't. a backstory. Why is this guy out on the highway just killing people? And then why does he just fuck with this one dude with C. Thomas Howell for 90 minutes? He says it at the very beginning. Right when he gets in the car, he says, I want you to stop me. Right. And then right. When, the, when he meets up with him at the diner and C. Thomas Howell, you know, he's finally got a gun. And he figures out that Rucker took all the bullets out of it, and he like tries to shoot him, and then he just starts crying. He's like, "Why are you doing this to me?" And Rucker Hauer says, "You're a smart kid. You'll figure it out." Right. Like Rucker Hauer went what, for whatever reason. I think when C. Thomas Howell kicked him out of the car in the beginning, which by the way, C. Thomas throw that shit in reverse, run over his head, movie's <laughs> over. Yeah. Double. I tip. think Hauer thought, "All right." I want it. I, I'm literally out here just massacring people. I want to find somebody that can stop me, and I think yeah. I just did. Yeah. But I want my final ride's gonna be fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna fuck with this kid until I get him to kill me. I think that's the it's, whole point it, of the that movie. Did, it seemed like I don't need a backstory. Had, uh, I don't need motive. Yes. Like it, it seemed like Ryder had a death wish, or he was like he was representing evil in such a pure form that um, that Jim's character became the person who had to stop that evil and in doing so had to had to eventually commit murder you know, no spoiler but eventually had to kind of you know it's 86 right he had to commit murder himself to stop it so the whole movie is kind of in a way is like a jim trying to confront this pure evil and 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 realizing that he's the only person that can stop it because he's being framed the whole way. That was the other great thing about this is that there are every interaction and every murder that Ryder perpetrates, all of it is made to look like it could have been Jim. So not <laughs> only is, is so he, he's not just running from John Ryder, he's running. Now the cops are after him because everything along the way looks like he did it. So it's kind of chasing him. And that's again, where I think that the identities between these two characters get like kind of blurry. I really like the, the prison Oh, the jail scene uh, where he's finally 
Uh, he's arrested. He's been framed for this, and he's in jail. Which it's is kind of safe at that time, right. at the moment. He spends the night in jail, and his prison door is open, and everyone's dead. This he guy's wakes like up so in jail. Good at like, yeah, everyone's like the dead. malignant scene without actually seeing the malignant yeah, scene. And I, I liked that uh, in that situation, I liked the, uh, you know, we always talk about in horror movies when they just have the dead bodies set up somewhere and people come across them. I thought that whole scene, that was where you were like, oh shit, this yeah. guy's going to go super hard to whatever, whatever the means to his end is or whatever. But it's an impossible movie to determine body count. True. You, yeah. True. Which I'm a big fan yeah. of. Like well, I actually like looking that up and it's, you can't figure that out on this. We talked about It's Alive last week and John P. Ryan's skill with um, holding cigarettes in his mouth without ever smoking them. I was kind of reminded of that by Rutger Hauer in this movie. He has a skill that is a very, I feel like it's a very late 80s uh, or late 70s, 80s skill set where you hold a cigarette at a 90 degree angle from your mouth. Like it's pointing down the whole time I don't, and it never falls out. It just hangs there pointing. Chapstick. Was that? Chapstick. It's a secret to that. I, oh, is that what it is? I, could do it I feel like my dad time. did that. It was always just hanging <laughs> Dave, down. Could you like? Could you do the thing like where you're smoking a butt and then you like stick it in the guitar like while you're playing? Like I could never figure that out. Yeah, you, you can't smoke inside really. <laughs> no, but like back in the day we could. Like, did you ever have that down? Up in um, the up in the in the head in the headstock. Yeah, head oh, I yeah. think I probably might have before. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, good did, on you guys. I couldn't. Did anybody notice the changing aspect ratio throughout the whole movie? I did not. Uh, what so, is that? So there, this year, they're supposed to be a 4K re-release on Blu-ray because okay. they finally found the original prints. I was going to say, that must be cobbled together. We're not watching the original. So that's why it keeps changing from like full screen to TV to yeah. like yep. weird. I looked that up because I was like, that's really fucking with me. It's kind of like, like right like, now we're like watching Silent it and Night. it's like, like it's a TV Night, Deadly Night. Like, remember how like yes. they had like cobbled together parts of the film? Yeah, like, they yeah, finally yeah. found the original um, prints of this, and they're going to be doing a four. No, I wonder release. if that will be a, a director's cut type of thing where we might get some of the stuff that we wanted. They didn't film it. They wouldn't let them. Ugh. film. You're never gonna. It's but never do, gonna happen. Even though, unless even we though make it that, ourselves, that does not make or break this film. Let's, I still love this. I will volunteer to be ripped in half by two tractor trailers. <laughs> we will film that. And we okay? can't make it without Rutger Hauer. You cannot make this movie without well, Rutger and Hauer. He, uh, R.I.P. Rutger Hauer considered voted the greatest Dutch actor of all time. He passed away in 2019. And like Kat said, Blade Runner. He was also the big bad in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Yes. Mm. Yes. Um, did anybody see the sequel or the remake? There was where, a remake in 2007. C I had no idea that C. Thomas Howell came back to do a sequel. How many years later? 2003? So 17 years Something later. Something like that. And then there was a remake in 07. More importantly, C. Thomas Howell came back playing Jim Halsey. What year was this? With a new girlfriend or wife who then pick up another hitchhiker played by <laughs> Jake Busey. Oh, God. Oh, and wow. the, the same thing ensues. <laughs> no. If you went through this in 1986... You're selling me on it. Would you pick up <laughs> another fucking hitchhiker that no. looks like Jake Busey? No! What, what, year did, what year did this come out? 2003. Yeah, in 2000, people were no longer pick, picking up hitchhikers. I didn't realize it was that long of a gap between... That's well, just well, enough time to become classic because it was about the early 2000s where this started to come back around as being an underappreciated 80s horror movie. I think that's when I saw it again, like, at the video store. People say, oh, you should see The Hitcher. You know, you probably haven't seen that or you haven't seen it in a long time. We can blame the next movie we're going to talk about on the remake happening. 
because the remake happened in 2003, and the next movie we're going to talk about happened in 2001. I, I feel like I've maybe told this story on the podcast before, but once I uh, picked up a hitchhiker and hung out with him for four days. <laughs> <laughs> was it Trent? It was Trent. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we got here, guys. That was four, that was four days ago. From me. Wow. Wow, I'm wow, just wow. saying. Got a burn. Bold, Listen. My specific pick for this week was John Dahl's 2001 thriller classic, Joyride. It's summer break, and college freshman Lewis has decided to embark on a cross country road trip to pick up the girl of his dreams, Venna. But Lewis's romantic hopes hit a detour when he stops to rescue his older brother, Fuller, from a night in jail, who goads him into playing a practical joke on a lonely trucker over a CB radio. Now, that trucker, an unseen and terrifying force known only by his CB handle, Rusty Nail, wants the last laugh and... revenge. This one, I would say... Very similar to The Hitcher. Definitely pulling some thematics, um, perhaps some plot points, um, other fun things like that. But I think it was a bit more fun. A little bit more lighthearted. Definitely had the early aughts vibe. Steve's on. Paul Walker lending their uh, comedic prowess to the situation it made it like a, a very fun watch. Um, as someone with severe social anxiety, I can't imagine ever doing a prank such as that t- over the CB radio. You never know who's going to be there. Perhaps it's going to be fucking Buffalo Bill, uncredited, Ted, whatever his Boom. name is. Levine. There it is, Ted Levine. Oh, knew it right away. Not a lot of gore in this one either, to be honest. You know, it was fun off the bat to see a jawless man. Mm. I think that kind of yes. set us up. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, I haven't seen this in years because this is like definitely for me one of those, you know, early aughts situations. I was definitely a, a, a teen when I saw this film for the first time. So it was very gory to me at the time. But excuse me, I'm so sorry. That was the before times. Now, what do you think? Now, I think, you know, I could have dealt with some more gore, but it was fun right off the bat seeing a jawless individual. And I thought there would be more of that. Wasn't it kind of let me down again on the gore factor this one? Am I missing another gore? moment in this i feel like i'm not like you see this truck kind of blasting through other trucks there's some truck uh gore perhaps (laughs) if you will some truck gore um and then there's definitely tense moments that's the thing it's a very thriller-esque situation i was stressed the whole time 
I think mostly because it was Buffalo Bill stressing me out and like just, you know, you do the candy cane thing. This is candy cane. Just leave it at that. This don't is candy cane. Don't keep like Is this candy cane? Oh. Don't keep answering this poor guy's calls for love, you know? I don't know. But mm-hmm. love me some rusty nail. I am curious. Well, you know, think about it while we're doing our takes, but I do want to know what everyone's CB names oh. are going to be oh, wow. by the end. So think about them. That's a good one. I've thought about mine. Um, so, yeah, uh, I absolutely love this movie. It for sure holds up for me. I still think it's a thrill ride. Love me some Steve Zahn, Paul Walker. Very into it. Let's go. What's your name? Black Cat. Nice. <gasps> it's spooky, <laughs> but my name is also Cat. Ooh. Roger Black Cat, I got you loud and clear. <laughs> this is the human trentipede. Oh! <laughs> that is uh, an yes. easy one for yeah. me. I would be the trentipede out there on the open road. I wouldn't be looking for love on the CB. That's a little bit unbelievable, but this is a great one, and this one kind of lives, this is one of those that lives on the underrated horror movie lists, and I would agree. I think Joyride is great, and I think it's a great pairing with The Hitcher, because this movie is basically an update on The Hitcher. Um, I thought that this could have been like a 90s disaster. It's 2001. We've talked about that. You're still in this like 90s horror hangover at that time. But this movie doesn't scream 90s to me. I thought that it could have really been any year. Again, there's like another relationship at the center, but this one is between the two brothers, which I think is really interesting. You didn't mention Lily Sobieski. This is her second major film appearance. She was in Eyes Wide mm-hmm. Shut, I think was like the kind of the big debut for her uh, a year or two before this. Um, she kind of plays uh, the love in question that um, Lewis is uh, driving to pick her up and he picks up his dirtbag brother who got out of prison and immediately the dirtbag brother is very interested in, what's her name, Venna. Um, I was interested to read that they actually shot uh, two love scenes in this movie that didn't make the final cut. Um, Lily uh, Sobieski shot a love scene with each of the brothers, and neither of them was used in the film. And I think that you can kind of tell it's kind of weird in the movie. Like, you kind of feel like she's a little bit interested in each of them. And I think the the missing piece of the puzzle is that they they weren't sure where the uh, romantic angle was going to go. So then I think it was just decided that they were going to leave it ambiguous. And I I think that's like kind of effective because that's kind of the other main tension, you know, never mind Rusty Nail and him him, him stalking them on the open road. But there's this whole tension between the brothers and the love interest, which I thought was was interesting. This movie has a ton of alternate endings that didn't get used. Um, I think they used the right one from what I understand from the other endings that I've read about. I think this is a really good, solid road horror movie. And I think that it speaks to the, um, the the legacy of The Hitcher in that this is basically an update. And uh, I would love to see more of this stuff. I'm not sure like where the lineage would really go after Joyride. Uh, and this is two words, by the way. There's a bunch of movies called Joyride. This oh. one is two words, Joyride. It tricked me. <laughs> uh, and this is only on VOD. I have to rent this one right now. Um, I just wanted to say that unlike Cat, I would definitely get into this situation. I always do pranks. I'm that dude. Would. I always do that shit. I would definitely bitch. do this. 
I would definitely take it to the point where the guy was driving the truck at me. <laughs> I had read that Joyride was titled Roadkill in the UK. <laughs> and I like that so much better. Like, I yeah. don't know, like, why Joyride? It, like, yeah. isn't Joyride when someone, like, steals a car yes. and then ditches it? And I just, I've, I've, I hate the Hollywood, like, low-hanging fruit. Uh, that you get, you can see, and that happened with the Hitcher too. We had talked about their limitations uh, by the production studios, and just by the title "Joyride," it's like, oh, you want to put like a happy word in the title, Mister Business? Um, I did not. <laughs> Mister did, Business. I didn't dislike this movie. I actually liked this movie, but I thought that those limitations for me were very obvious. Um, I just I just pictured like a studio board meeting, you know, where an executive wants to give the movie like a snappy title that's friendly for broader audiences. And, you know, um, we talk a lot about this era where there was a surge in big horror movies uh, and they were starting to be a little bit more like well, they were less underground than they always were from the origins of horror. Um, so it makes it easy for me to, like, have a little resentment for a movie like this in this era. But this uh, I think it pulled it off. It didn't get too complex with the relationships. Um, I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of Rusty Nail. I would have liked to have been yeah. inside the cab of his truck, maybe. I don't have to see him, but I think it would have been a little bit scarier if he was doing some weird shit or you just saw the inside of his cab and maybe there was like like panties. Wasn't there like truckers found with like bad panties in there? Their trucks. We like talked about weird. that case. Yeah, Cat, yeah. Brought that case. up. Yeah. He just died. Yeah, in prison, right? Yeah, yeah. we'll never know. The and state of our prisons is just. Uh, let's not get into that. <laughs> but um, you know, everyone is like really easy on the eyes in this, and that also screams to me like some big production studio just trying to make a scary version of the Fast and the Furious. <gasps> but I, I did like it, and these are the same things that we were saying are the limitations of the Hitcher. And apparently, like, road horror falls somewhere between action thriller and horror. And you have that tug of war between where it's going to go, which will sell the most tickets and all that. And uh, with, with both of the movies we're talking about this week, uh, it's weird how, like, you know, like, the streaming networks, like, totally control all this older material. Right. And you'll see, like, in the top ten on Netflix, like, Fatal Attraction or something, and you'll be like... Oh, that's like the hot new movie right now. But that's where everyone is. They're more there than they are at the theaters. So, um, you know, like movies like this and movies like The Hitcher have a chance to uh, come back and be seen by broader audiences. And I think that's cool. I don't entirely hate this movie. I want a full on balls out version of both movies this week, though. Thank you, Kat. I love this movie. I've always loved this movie. I saw this movie in theaters. Ooh. I was a big Lily Sobieski fan. I'm sure uh, you the were. The Glass House came out in the same year that Joyride did, and I gave my money to the theater for both of those. But, I mean, you have Paul Walker, Steve Zahn, and Sobieski. I will say, this is weird, that Paul Walker is a college senior or freshman? Freshman. freshman. They're both college freshmen. Yeah. He's like 27 in this movie. Steve Zahn is his <laughs> older brother by a couple years. He's like 33. Yeah. Sure. Lily Sobieski is 17 years old in this fucking right. movie. Yeah, yeah, And they yeah. introduce you to her in panties. Yeah. 
And he's and, driving across the fucking country to get to her. Like, that's creepy. He's the... I mean, he's supposed to be, like, but 19. He's her age, too, though, but, in this you know, world. It's, yeah. It's at the it's it, in this like era where movies like we still hadn't quite moved out of like nine oh two one oh where everybody that was like forty two exactly. was playing seventeen yes. year old but she yeah. was still but she was, she was seventeen, 17 years old if in I the had movie. looked like that at age seventeen no I looked like I t- you would have been preyed upon I would have <laughs> probably. <laughs> It's great. It, it it is. It's Maximum Overdrive and the Hitcher thrown yes. into one movie. Nice job. It's a very young J.J. fucking Abrams deciding he's going to do that. He's writing this movie. I mean, he must have been like fresh out of college or something at this point. J.J. Abrams wrote regarding Henry in college. I can't believe that. I had no idea that he wrote that Dude, movie. Dude, this guy has given us like everything from like Felicity to the new Star Wars movies. Yeah. I'm not a big Star Wars person. Lost. Don't come at me. I have no opinion on them. I haven't even seen the last Don't two. care at Overfield. all. Don't care. Whatever. Abrams is a legend and has been doing it for a very long time. But this feels to me, Trent, you brought it up. You said, well, they filmed the love scenes and they weren't quite sure where it was going. They were pretty fucking sure where it was going when the movie starts with a sexy phone call between Paul Walker and Lily Sobieski. Mm-hmm. I thought, why did you have to confuse that? Like, Because the brother is such a sleazebag that, uh, to me, it wasn't clear that she was really romantically interested in Lewis. Uh, I thought in it Lewis, was but very clear that she was interested in Lewis from the get-go. Mm, I think he was like friend zone. Eh. I mean, you're just, now you're quoting Fuller, his fucking shitty older brother, <laughs> Steve Zonster. He literally uh. says he was friend zoned in this. <laughs> and, and what is the point of having the comic relief in Steve Zahn like walk this douchebag timeline like that was a little weird to me either way i love this movie i also think it's the song that jj abrams wrote too many times and like okay not just like five or six different endings which you can find most of them on youtube i agree with you trent they went with the right one like that was the right one but they also fucked around with like sequences like the cornfield sequence which is a great part of the movie like that was supposed to be in a different they were dropping it should have been earlier places like yeah it was supposed to be the end why wouldn't he have gotten her if he wanted her why wouldn't he have gotten her when they were walking to the diner naked so and and then thank you we did get to see a fully nude steve's on and paul walker yeah hey we did Yeah, yeah we did they and walked hey. into a diner naked. Oh, right. Well, but they were covering their uh, Wait, yeah. that stuff. Butt. Yeah. Hey, hot take. Depp butt. Steve Zahn is a better ass than Paul Walker Whoa. in this movie. That is, a hot take. that is a hot take. Did you see the abs, though? I mean, no one's going to beat Walker in the ab mm-hmm. department. Um, this is another one where they don't show a lot of the gore, and I think that works. I'm sorry. I disagree totally with some of you. I think the whole works purpose better than the Hitcher. of both movies we're talking about this week is suspense. This one has a lot more comedic relief because you have Zahn and a little bit of humor from Paul Walker. He is brooding a little bit. Like when he pulls the car aggressively off the road to be mad at his brother, which he should be. He just bailed him out of fucking jail and now his brother's making fun of him for like going to pick up a chick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that like suspense and, and the relationship building Trent mentioned, that's the whole point of like these movies. They both give you like pretty good like horror like legit horror endings i mean the end of this movie is fucking tense and it's very early aughts like torture pornish 
Um, but, you know, in The Hitcher, you have the relationship developing between, you know, Rucker Hauer and C. Thomas Howell, between Thomas Howell and, and Jennifer Jason Lee. In this one, you have the relationship between Lewis and Fuller, and then you have Lewis Fuller and Venna. Have you ever met anyone named Venna? I uh, know. I like the name, though. V-E-N-N-A, Venna. Yeah. Um, so there's good relationship building and, like, you know, some some good interplay in between, like, what the characters in these movies are doing. Um, but, you know, a lot of people say these are, like, you guys keep saying thriller. I think these firmly are placed in the horror genre. They are. They simply are. because yeah. of, you don't, in a thriller, you don't drive by a family that you know was slaughtered on the side of the road, like in The Hitcher. And in this one, like, you don't have somebody's jaw get ripped off in a thriller. His jaw was ripped off. And then you don't have somebody strapped to a chair with a shotgun that could potentially have their head blown off, you know, in a thriller. Like, I, I don't know. I would say the thriller aspect is that it's very tense. Those are very tense scenes. That's a line that we've talked about that blur is like, what do you call yeah. seven? I mean, is seven a horror movie? I still consider a thriller I think like movie. horror, thriller, thriller, horror is, yeah. you know, it's either or. It's, it's, but it's sometimes, both. Sometimes I feel like, you know, one leans into a certain category more than another. I, yeah. But it's still an all-encompassing I think these know, would both be in the genre. horror section if you were back in the day perusing a video store. You would find Joyride in the horror section along with the Hitcher. Or even now if you were on a streaming network if yes. you put in genre horror. It would be it in the horror section. Yeah. yeah. It's funny Trent we were talking that this was co-written. You mentioned to me that this was co-written. Clay Tarver. And you had the band that he is in. Bullet LaVolta from Boston. Um, I think he's still in a band called Chavez with Matt Sweeney. But he's also done a bunch of other writing stuff with Mike Judge. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. The director, John Dahl. Interesting director for this. He did Rounders, which is like a gambling movie. Yeah, with Matt Damon. Matt Damon. I yeah. think um, uh, Edward Norton's in that one, too. Yep. Uh, but he's done a bazillion TV things. So, like, look up his credit. And a lot of horror stuff, too. Like, TV horror stuff. Which is good, but this one was was interesting for the budget versus box office return, and we talked about all the alternate endings and the edits. It originally, I think, it was a fifteen million dollar budget. I'm sorry, right now Jim Beaver is on screen as we watch this, and he is uh, Uncle Bobby from Supernatural. Gotcha, cat. Uh, originally, fifteen million dollar budget ballooned to twenty three because they kept reshooting endings. However, here's the weird thing. Typically, reshoots happen because it's not testing well with audiences. Every ending that J.J. Abrams and Clay Tarver came up with was testing beautifully with audiences. And they were the ones saying, eh, let's try something else. Well, I would disagree with you guys uh, about the ending. I thought that someone I got to like had to die for this movie to have more of an impact. Yeah, I thought, I thought the brother should have died. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. But I mean... You know, good point. It, it, the the budget ballooned. It made thirty seven million at the box office, which, given marketing, probably didn't make money. However, it was the early aughts, so it probably made a killing in DVD rentals, in uh, DVD purchases. Um, so I'm sure this one was fine. Obviously, it went on to spawn two sequels that I will never watch, um, because obviously Walker is on Sobieski. Sobieski retired shortly after this movie, I believe. Um, they would never come back. Oh, she uh, she's worked since then. She's retired now, I think. 
but I think she yeah, does, I think, she does I stuff think after since, this. But I don't think yeah. for very much longer. It's too bad we can't see a Rusty Nail versus uh, Rutger Hauer, John Ryder. <laughs> or or versus I mean, Emilio Estevez. Emilio <laughs> Estevez, Maximum Overdrive. Uh, weird uh, green, uh, what is it, Green Goblin Truck versus Rusty Nail. Yeah, that'd be something. Versus Rutger Hauer. Green yeah. Goblin Truck versus Green Goblin. By the way, Dave, what is your trucker handle? Just gutter. <laughs> That's a, it, not gutter. not no flare on it, no like gutter ball. Gutter or, ball, yeah. I was thinking of gutter ball, maybe. I still have you guys. You're all in my phones with your uh, podcast names. I have cut, and I have <laughs> oh. and, oh. and I have coven, and I have grave dutter. Oh, grave that, dutter. I forgot. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that should be that should be yeah. handle. Yeah, it should be cut smith. Uh, this is another one where, uh, like like the hitcher, there were a lot of very revered people involved. This one somehow they got. Marco Beltrami to do the music. We've talked about Marco a lot. Did Scream. I think that's probably the big one. But like a million things. Just look up look up Marco Beltrami. He's done a ton of scores for some of your favorite horror movies. Um, Kat mentioned Ted Levine. It's very strange to me why Ted Levine would come in just to do like like the ADR. He just that, does the voice of yeah, Rusty Nail because you don't do, really see Rusty Nail. Right, and then not do Rusty Nail. But the, Dave, Dave had the best point, I think, and I never thought about this. I actually would have liked to have seen like some some shit from inside Rusty Nail's truck. That's got to be a dingy, sketchy place. Who, who did the soundtrack on The Hitcher? Because I feel like that was also... I feel like both of these movies, in all the things they have in common... They both had like I feel like pretty like prolific soundtrack or score composers. Yeah, the music on the Hitcher was Mark Isham, who Point Break, to take us way out of the horror was genre. It Marco Beltrami, uh, the Joyride guy. Yes, yeah. he did Joyride. Mark Isham did the Hitcher that we talked about, but he's also done like, he's done tons. Again, look him up. But he's done The Mist, The Crazies, The Conjuring. Judas and the Black Messiah, massive talent movie that just came out with Nick Cage. Like so many of these people are like still working and doing things within our genre, but like bonkers things outside of it. So I, I love that. Yeah, I feel like both of these movies were pretty small at the time, but almost everyone involved in Joyride and in The Hitcher went on to do tons more stuff after that. That's like another thing that both of these have in common. Yeah, I mean, obviously Walker went on to do like crazy success with Fast and the Furious movies. R.I.P. Paul Walker, um, and Zon Zon did a lot of stuff too. Zon did a bunch of stuff before this. If you look at the credits, um, I thought it was hilarious that Steve Zahn is the first name that comes up when the opening credits of this are rolling. Right, he, he would have been already, the star I think at he this had time. Done, like yeah. that thing you do, uh, like saving yeah. Silverman. Like, yeah, I mean, he was like he was the funny guy. It's really weird that Paul Walker died in a car accident when like every single set he got on, they're like, get in the car. Yeah, So when when I when I fucked up my knee in, in 2016, <sighs> I uh, tore my ACL and MCL, and had to have like massive reconstructive surgery. And it's one of those things where, like, it was dead of summer in Maine, and it was, like, literally, a, like, one of those Maine summers where, like, it never rains, and it's beautiful out. And I'm laying in a recliner post-knee surgery. Cat, it's the first time I saw you in years when I was going oh, for, we're at physical therapy for physical together. Because I have an elderly woman's hip, apparently. I'm, I'm riding the bike at physical therapy, and I hear someone say, hey. <laughs> and his cat next to me. 
Uh, I got in this weird kick where I was watching all of the Fast and the Furious movies, which is very, very out of my wheelhouse. And I'll, I'll blame it on the meds. And I wept at the end of the Fast and Furious movie where Paul Walker died and they had to, like, you know, CGI him into the final scene where, like, he and Vin Diesel are, like, driving away. <laughs> I, I, CGI I, always makes me cry too, bro. One of the main things in this movie that stands out to me is the CB radio because I feel like that's something like pre-cell phone. I don't know. You kind of like dreamed of having a CB radio in your car. It, it's a ridiculous scene in this movie where they've simply pulled over like, I don't even remember, to do some stuff, but the wacky brother decides to just have a CB radio installed in his brother's car. Only 40 uh, bucks. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. well, I'll remind you. down to 40 bucks. Yeah. The you and I have traveled with an old man named Rusty who had a CB radio in his Oh, did he have a CB? His, his van, yeah. That was something that like I dreamed of way back in the day like, man, imagine if you could have a radio in here, a CB radio and you could talk to people, yeah. I think that both the movies this week uh, we talked about how they suffered a little bit from limitations, but the suspense, the the things like the doors where you don't know which hotel room door the police are about to bust in and she might get her head blown off. Yeah. Oh, that all, was, yeah. All the little suspenseful parts are what carried both of these movies for Oh, me. speaking of the doors, wasn't Eric Red who wrote um, The Hitcher, one of his main inspirations for writing The Hitcher was when he had to drive across the country at one point, he heard uh, Riders on the Storm on the radio while he was alone driving. The worst door song, in my opinion, of all time. One of the worst, like classic rock songs I don't know. ever. I don't know. Do you to like me, that song? It epi- it, well, it epitomizes like the desert. It epi- it's that. Oh. It's like driving through the desert. It's like cactuses and God, medicine I hate men. That and song weird. so much. Well, that inspired Eric Red in part to like he thought that this is such a cinematic kind of narration in this in this song, and it kind of like got his wheel spinning supposedly according to him, and that was part of like writing the hitcher. So at least one good thing came out of the worst door song. Thank God. The worst. It's like eight I, minutes long. When I hear that intro, the the rain and the little like keyboard, I'm like, oh my. I like I like that the doors are bad. They're kind of bad I sometimes. Too. I like that. I I do too, but that's the least of my. I, I can't get to that one. It's so long. Never end. Gotta love your man. 
Riders on the storm Riders on the storm Into this house we're born Into this world we're thrown Like a dog without a bone And actor out alone Riders on the storm Thank you.